Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. You just arrived to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your glamorous host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. Today's mission simple rid the world of terrible websites first though remember if you're watching us on youtube you can join the channel for only three dollars a month you can become a baby shark but if you don't want to give money through big tech don't worry we got you covered you can get the freshest coffee known to humankind delivered to your doorstep it is roasted, it is sealed, it is shipped all within a 24-hour period. If you head on over to deadhousecoffee.com, that's deadhousecoffee.com, use code SHARK, you get 20% off your order. And as we've said this before, oh yeah, it, by the way, it is zombie-themed coffee, can't get much better than that. But as I, we've said before, all the proceeds directly support us right here, producing the biggest and best show we possibly can. Now, let's get back to today's show. We're going to have an awesome, one of those really raw chats with a small business owner with one mission on his mind, okay? Rid the world of bad websites. Yeah, I said that right. Seriously, read the world of bad websites. We're going to talk about really getting what you pay for in terms of a website, in terms of your digital representation, how your business, how your brand, how your product looks online with its digital identity. That's what we're going to talk today because Sometimes it does come down to dollar and cents, and you get what you pay for. So, who do we have on the show today? Making his debut interview as Jeffro, we have Mr. Jeffro Fulkerson. Jeffro Fulkerson is a solopreneur, web technologist on a mission to rid the world of terrible websites. He believes that every business needs a professional website to thrive even if your actual services don't involve anything digital. He personally knows the impact a great website, or fro, can have on your image and on the perception of others and really just wants to help business owners stand out and be represented online in the very best way possible. So, hey, let's not delay any further. Jeff Fro, you're jumping in the Shark Tank. Tech for your biz. Jeff Rowe, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. All right. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, no problem. So we got a tradition here on the show. Very first question we ask everybody. Literally, I've asked this question about 120 times so far, okay? What's your experience? What's your background? You know, where you've been? What are you doing now? Basically, what's the secret sauce that makes Jeffro, Jeffro? All right, the whole life story distilled down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thirty second version. Okay. Well, I mean, I've always, I've always loved computers and technology. I've been, you know, building computers themselves, but also websites, like since high school. Yeah. Uh, and I, when I went to college, I studied computer science and programming. And wow. so, by trade, I'm a study? programmer. Uh, UC Irvine, uh, University UCI of California, Irvine. Irvine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I just, uh, our headquarters for my main company, Vision 33, is out there in Irvine. I just moved out here from Azusa, so we got some uh, connection right there. Nice. Good. And I think I saw you had a 619 area code on one of your... Yeah, yeah too, my so. cell phone is 619. Cause, uh, so uh, this is your story, but my listeners know <laughs> this, but when I was 18, I actually moved down to Tijuana, and I lived in Tijuana for about 15 years, even worked for the Mexican government. But for many years, uh, even though I lived in Mexico, I commuted, I crossed the border every day and I went to work in San Diego. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't beat it. I had a $400 two-story, four-bedroom beach house. 
than in Tijuana. Nice. You know, try to get that in San Diego. You can't. <laughs> Not gonna happen. So okay, sorry. Let's get back to you. That's right. I, I just said that because I, I grew up in San Diego as well. But uh, oh, there you go. Then went to UC Irvine and I ended up staying in Orange County. So that's where I am now. Uh, after I graduated, I did a, worked at a couple different companies doing different types of programming. Started with cell phone game programming before smartphones took over. Um, okay. Which is a fun, interesting thing. So, I worked for a biometric okay. company. Go ahead. Hold on, hold on. Let's ask <laughs> cell phone game company before yes. smartphones yes. took over. So, I mean, what? Are you talking like playing Snake on the Nokia phones, those types of things, or what? So a little later than that, um, we're talking, you know, color phones, flip phones that had enough memory and power to like run Like a some Motorola Razor. Yes, like a Razor or some of those other flip phones, some of the slide open phones with the side keyboard, yeah, and things yeah, like yeah, that. Sliders. So, uh, the, I worked for a company called Java Ground, and they had built their own custom tools to allow us to mm. create games that we could then export to run on different devices. So we would profile right. the devices based on screen size and memory, and then give it a different version that would run on that device. I, I remember now that you've said that back then. Uh... A lot of games in that in that era of cell phones, they did run on Java, correct? Yeah. Yes. So there you go. There you go. I totally forgot that, but that is awesome. So you were ahead of the curve with smartphone gaming. Yeah. So the phones either ran Java or Brew, which was Qualcomm's yeah. uh, binary runtime environment for wireless. For those okay. who Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I yeah, did that. Worked at a biometric company for a little bit. Um, and I've, I've always had kind of an entrepreneurial side since growing up and right. always wanted to do, you know, side things. I did a lemonade stand when I was like, I don't know, six years old, <laughs> selling That's lemonade awesome. and cookies to the bikers going by early in the morning. Um, That's in cool. high school, a lot I, of bikers I, down there in San Diego. So you must there have been a, a lot killer. that went right by our house. So I just sat yeah, they, stand and, you know, they take biking serious well. in San Diego. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, what about like you said that you've always wanted to be an entrepreneur since you were young. Um, are any of your parents business owners or uh, were they in business? And that's why you think you've inherited that? Or was this random? Um, yeah, my dad owned his own construction company. Um, as he was uh, so did contractor. my dad. Oh, nice. <laughs> San yeah, Diego, okay. right? Yeah. Um, no, well, anyways, that was in Pennsylvania, but yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but anyways, yeah, he did that uh, for years, running his own company. Um, he did have employees uh, ebbing and flowing, depending on the size of project he was doing, but mm -hmm. he was always there running it himself. Um, yeah, and that, then, that, that's crazy, though, because the reason I ask that is we get a lot of people on the show, and a lot of times you'll hear during their intros, like, hey, when I, since I was young, I've always wanted to own my own business or be a businessman, businesswoman, whatever. And then it's, I always ask that follow-up question, well, were your parents? And 99% of the time, it's yes, they own their own business. So that's kind of where I get it from. I get it from my dad or I get it from my mom. And it seems like, you know, children of Parents that are in business are business owners themselves. It seems like that's one of the genes that they kind of inherit off their parents. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. like my dad, he was a, a general contractor as well, too. But I wanted nothing to do with contracting. <laughs> I went down the sure. tech route myself. So, you know, now when I call him to fix my sink, he's kind of like, well, why didn't you listen when you were younger? You know? So. <laughs> yeah. You can only learn yeah. so much, right? Right, right, right. But yeah, go ahead. Keep keep going uh, with your story here. Sure. So in terms of that entrepreneur bug, I guess it's been there for a long time. However, it was mm -hmm. still, I mean, we played the cash flow game growing up too, to try and my parents wanted us to learn some of the principles of, you know, how to get out of the rat race. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I so know that. Cash flow is I don't the know game the cash flow game. He created a board game that helps wow. you teach these principles to, you know, you buy assets or they call them doodads, which are liabilities, like just a boat to have, you know, it doesn't generate income for you, but, you know, it's got Cost. a little scorecard worksheet that you fill out and update each time. Uh, so it kind of gives you a frame of reference for when you're looking at 
you know, investing in a business or buying an asset, what are you spending your money on and how you actually, you know, look at things through that, uh, through that lens and help you hopefully later on to be successful. So wow, that's amazing. That, that, that is one book. I mean, obviously I know it. I've never read it embarrassingly. I mean, the thing is, you got to look at my bookshelf. It is full of, I probably got 70 or 80 books here. Most of them had been from guests that had been on the show mm. because they're so awesome. <laughs> and they sure. sent me, I just, uh, this is the book I just bought uh because i had my sales team reading it so i figured mm -hmm. i better read it too so that way i can go over it with them uh the sales bible from jeffrey gittimer and i've also done his little red book of selling but i think once i finish the sales bible rich dad poor dad is going to be the next book and i got a very entrepreneurial daughter like she has her own roblox uh, roblox store and okay. stuff like that to make mm -hmm. money so she can get robux in the game to buy stuff so if there's an actual game that accompanies that, I'm going to get that and actually play that with her. I think she'd love it. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, that's that's great. So what, um, you know, you, you obviously you have a pretty, pretty gnarly past. I must uh, I must admit, man, like the industries you worked in, biometrics, the game, stuff like that. Lemonade stand when you're six. Uh, you should put that on your <laughs> <laughs> on your resume, man, Lemonade said six years old. That would be so hilarious. That'd be awesome. But um, uh, what are you doing now? What's your business that you're doing as of today? Well, about six or seven years ago, I started Frobro Web Technologies. And uh, my goal with that is to help uh, mostly small businesses, but other businesses mm -hmm. uh, get, get an online presence that's professional that represents their company well and helps them enter in the whole to the whole digital economy. Um, mm -hmm. Or for those that have a website, just because it you know it's a checkbox, I, I made a website on Squarespace or something. I come in and help yeah. make it more professional and uh, more useful for them as a company. Uh, and so that's kind of why I exist and what I do now is I help companies with professional websites doing SEO design and all of the stuff that goes with that. So we did just have somebody on here about websites a couple episodes ago. And one of the interesting discussions that he had, he said it was a hot take, but I'm like, dude, sorry, this is not a hot take. For me, it makes uh, absolute sense because of how technology works today. But he's like, home pages are not your most important page. It's going to be landing pages for when companies search for you and they find you on certain terms and they pull up that specific segment of your website. Those pages are actually more important than your homepage. What is your take on that? Uh, I would say I think it depends on the business because some businesses are very niche down. And in that case, I'd say your homepage is the one because all your info mm -hmm. is going to be on that one. But I would agree with him that for a lot of companies that have a range of services that might target slightly different people, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to want to put a lot of focus into those individual landing pages because you're going to be using, you know, trying to rank for different keywords depending on right. what right. those products or services are. Like, for example, my uh, my day job with Vision 33, we do ERP. Uh, my my viewers should know what that is by now, but it's business management software with SAP Business One and Sage Intact. And with us, you know, the landing pages are so important because you can have someone looking up something like accounting software, but not QuickBooks. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. you know, you need to be able to rank in that. And then once they pull it up, like you're addressing right then and there the the needs that they have, you're you're solving the pains that they have. And it's basically like your elevator pitch for them to want to explore more. Right. And uh, yeah, when you start getting into keywords and uh, if you're trying to rank for a more uh, competitive keyword, uh, you would definitely mm -hmm. want a separate landing page because you can go hyper-focused on that. Right. You know, I'm, I'm based in Orange County and I still have these services. Um, but in addition to my homepage, I have a specific landing page for Orange County web design because I'm oh, in yeah. Orange County. Right. So that helps me rank for people searching 
you know, web design Orange County, right? Because, right. I mean, that that's the whole idea. So it, it's right in line. Oh, with yeah, that. definitely. Definitely. I mean, even with us, Vision 33, we have, um, I have an office in my region. I run the Northeast region. I have DC, Philadelphia, New York City, and Boston. Now, we have a separate landing page for each one of those offices. Mm -hmm. And, you know, recently, um, when I say recently, like three weeks ago, um, we got contacted. uh, Now, it was part of an RFP, and they accidentally sent us the list of the competitors. But (laughs) in their list of the competitors, they only put people that had Washington, D.C. presence. And they put the office location and the URL of where they're at. So that's where, to me, it was like validated, like, hey, that local SEO and that landing page actually worked for us to bring us this opportunity. Very nice. Now, bad thing is we ended up not moving forward with it. It wasn't in our wheelhouse, but still mm-hmm. it, it marketing worked, okay? Yes. It, it brought us an otherwise qualified lead. Mm-hmm. So- Let's discuss why every small business needs a professional website to thrive. And I want to, just before you answer that, I want to define professional because you have so many sites out there, like you said, Squarespace, there's Wix, there's Weebly. Uh, There's so many do-it-yourself websites that maybe it's a decent stopgap, but it's not a true professional website. So explain to us why they need a professional website. Sure. And that's a really good point and an important distinction that I think a lot of people miss. Um, mm-hmm. Because if people are looking to save money, they find all these free or cheap options and they say, okay, I'm good, right? But a professional website will work on all planes at all levels. So mm-hmm. it will look good. It'll have intuitive uh, design and navigation for the user. It will also load quickly. It will also be optimized for search engine rankings. Speed is king. Speed is very important. And some of those page builders are not fast at all. So if you have mm-hmm. a professional site, it should either be uh, you know, well-optimized for performance, caching, everything you can do to make it load as quickly as possible because the it, that is a ranking factor for Google. If you and another identical site... Should it be built mobile first in mind or should it be built... PC first in mind. Uh, that, technically, that, that's going to be the, one. That's the right answer on the is mobile first, and and right. <laughs> because more and more people are going, uh, you know, browsing on their phones. And but the only caveat to that and is tablets. I'd say, and tablets, not as much, but more mobile than uh, desktop. It it depends on your target target demographic because if your mm-hmm. target demographic maybe is a little older, they're not going to be browsing on their phones as much. So you really mm-hmm. need to know where your audience is to make sure Ooh. they are most well served. In terms of the search right. engines, yes, okay, you want to appease them, and of course, you want to make sure your site is mobile optimized so it looks good on a phone. Um, but all that to say, you need to do both. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you're going to spend time more on one or the other, figure out where your audience is looking at your site the most and spend more time there. Does it make sense to focus on one or the other more? Like, hey, look, um, we're 50% or 60% of our orders coming through mobile. And this is really important. And we think that we can increase the mobile presence by... Mm-hmm doing ad campaigns or whatever. So would it make sense to, you know, put that extra energy to make sure the mobile site is flawless, whereas maybe the the desktop site's still good, just not mm-hmm. as good as the mobile version? Does that make sense? Uh, well, that used to make more sense when, well, some companies and what was done for a while is they would have a separate mobile site that would you get redirected to, you know, it notice right. your user agent is yeah. a mobile device and it'd say, okay, here's a separate page for you at M. You know, I hate, I hate when they do that because yeah. like, for example, a lot of websites, sometimes they don't work with the mobile version or I don't like the mobile version for whatever reason. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got a galaxy S 21 ultra. So I got a big screen and I also got the, um, my, uh, tablet i have uh that new one like the fire plus pro or whatever it is and mm-hmm. that is a pretty gnarly tap it's the first 
Amazon tablet that I actually can do work from without any problems. So mm -hmm. I've been using it more and more. Um, <clears throat> but whenever I hit the use desktop version of the site, if they redirect you to like the M dot, whatever version of the site, all it's going to do is reload that same dang right. page and, you know, a bigger screen, but it's right, which not, is annoying. right. And it's totally annoying because it's not the actual desktop version that you were trying to get on the mobile device. Right. So more nowadays, it's a lot more responsive sites. So it's one site with all the content laid out on the page uh, with a separate set of style rules that get yeah. loaded based on the screen size. That's typically you know, how a responsive site is gonna work. So that way you're not yeah. changing the assets that you're loading most of the time, but you can. Uh, but that way it's more consolidated. It's actually easier to maintain one site mm -hmm. instead of two. So from a maintenance perspective, in terms yep. of time and effort, it's way easier to just have one that you just, you know, spend some time optimizing the mobile version of it versus the desktop layout. Have you ever done like the the Google AMP sites? Because uh, I, I believe Google AMP is dead or dying on its way out. Depends who you ask. I typically don't do those uh, type of sites. I okay. stick mostly with Any WordPress. specific reason why you wouldn't do the AMP version? Uh, just because it's very specialized. Um, that's really the only reason. Not everyone, not all the browsers support it. So you're going to be doing mm -hmm. a lot of work that may or may not be seen. Uh, so and it, with the people that you're working for, mom and pop, small businesses, it probably doesn't add a lot of value for them to do that and go through that cost anyway. Correct. Most of the time. Yeah. So if you're a big brand and you've got a lot of dynamic things you want to do on your site, okay, sure. But like you said, for most of these service-based companies that are local, mm -hmm. it, it yeah. you really don't no, need to spend the time on it. So then, you know, back to the original question, okay, why do they need that professional version of a website to thrive? Okay. Okay. That's a great question. And I would say specifically to thrive online. Um, yeah, to thrive online. So back to the distinction, right? If let's say you use a page builder and you get a nice template or you're good at design and it looks great, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how pretty it is if no one ever sees it. If it doesn't come up in search results, if no one mm -hmm. ever finds it, who cares how much time you spent designing it, right? So that's why everything has to be in place. The performance, the load time, the search engine optimization, the design, the user interface, it all needs to mm -hmm. be good um, because this all uh, represents you as a brand, as a company, as a professional. Right. People people judge you based on your website. That's that's the yeah. biggest reason, right? Rightly or wrongly. I mean, you always hear, you always hear, don't judge a book by its cover, but come on, we're all superficial, man. We're all yeah. judging, you know, you're looking at a company's website and that will either make or break the deal. You are judging yep. them by their cover. Yep, you can't, you can't help it. Um, and especially if, you know, let's say you've gotten a quote and you're going to go look at these different sites. If it's a nicer professional website, you almost feel more okay going with a higher price. Whereas if it was the same quote from a company with a website that looked like it was made 10 years ago and hasn't been updated, you're, right. you're like, ah, I, that doesn't seem good, right? So it, it gives a greater sense of confidence in the customer who's going to be buying from you. It increases your perceived value and professionalism, you know, rightly or wrongly, but that's what it is. I mean, so many people are, have been working their companies for years. You know, they do a great job. They right. are reliable. And so you want that to be reflected on your website so that people don't pass you by or think that you're some fly-by-night organization that's going right. to you know, stop showing up or disappear with your money. Like you want to know that they're here to stay. They're professional. They're committed to this, right? Mm -hmm. And so if they've put, if that investment is there on their website, you assume they're going to give the same level of quality to the work that they're doing for you. Fake it till you make it. A great website can make a five-person organization, a two-person organization look like they're a Fortune 50 company. It's true. And so, you know, one of the things in the notes that um, I have uh, from you um, is you have a goal, okay? And when I read this, I kind of laughed, okay? I'm like, this is an awesome, awesome <laughs> goal. Do you want to, why don't you talk to us about one, what the goal is, okay? And then two, 
um, what you're doing to change that. Sure. Yeah. So my goal is to rid the help or at least help rid the world of terrible websites because <laughs> there's so many terrible websites out there and this is a fixable problem. Most of the things that make a website terrible are uh, like too many pop-ups, autoplay videos with sound, even when they're in the background somewhere right. and you're like, which tab is playing music or. I you know, hate like a lot of new sites that'll just have automatically some random ad or video play when you load up a news article like i have to actually permanently mute the sites in chrome because mm -hmm. otherwise it's going to be playing audio and then you can't even find which video is the one that actually has it because they already have like 10 videos on the site it drives me insane yeah and even like if i'm looking up a recipe to cook something so many of these yep. recipe sites I try to do it on my phone and then it just loads some other ad, pushes everything down. I can't even find the recipe half the time. It's really obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. So that's why so Google has started actually incorporating uh, content layout shift uh, as a ranking metric. So if things on the page shift as it's loading like that, mm -hmm. you get dinged. So you want it to load fast and kind of all at once and then fill in any missing uh, pieces like an image or something there should be a right. space for the image even if the image isn't loaded yet that way things don't jump because it one of the worst things is you get your mouse over to click on a button the page shifts and you click on the wrong link and you're like ah oh yeah oh so, yeah yeah that yeah. that drives me nuts especially when you're on one of those uh uh, I guess you could say a spammy site where it's like, oh, look at this weird story. And then you have to click through for the slideshow. But every time mm -hmm. you're trying to click next, then it shifts on you and you're clicking on their dang ads. Yes. But the other annoying thing that I have, and I think this is um, a terrible website design, is okay, I'm okay with giving a site permission for my location so that they can kind of mm -hmm. understand where people are looking from their website. I am not too freaked out about that. Um, what I do find annoying, though, is then the repetitive pop-ups asking me if I want to receive alerts from the website. Right. That is so annoying. If I want alerts from your website, guess what? I'm going to be downloading your app and turning alerts on. Otherwise, I don't even want to be offered that. Well, and especially once you've dismissed it, you should not be offered it again. Um, mm -hmm. So anytime you are using pop-ups on your website, number one, use them sparingly. Don't show them right away and honor the dismissal. So if a person says, I don't want to see this, don't show it to them on every page. Wait at least a week before you ask them again. I'd say um, 10 years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> ideally. <but. laughs> and, and the other thing is with pop-ups, if you're going to use them, make sure you're um, offering something of value to the visitor. It's not just something that you want. What's something that they would want? Um, so, uh, for example, instead of just saying, join our newsletter, newsletter to stay up to date. Who cares, right? But if you're mm -hmm. saying, uh, you know, enter your email to download this free report on the top 10 most annoying things on a website and we'll give you 10% off your first order, whatever it is that give them a reason to put in their email address. Then they don't feel as annoyed because you're actually giving them something. Right. Right. Yeah. I kind of feel, I don't know, maybe I'm just weird, but I do get a little annoyed if I have to, if I go through a survey, like, Hey, we'll give you a free quote. And I get, all the way through the end of doing like their 10 page survey. And it's like, okay, we'll email you the results. Give us your email. I'm like, no, because chances are I'm not that serious about buying it. Just right. show me. And then if I like it, then I'll give you my email. You know, I don't, maybe I'm just a little weird like that, but I kind of think that there's a lot of people that feel that way too. No, I agree. Because anytime your customer feels like it's a bait and switch, that's bad. You know, they, yeah. they run away. They're not going to give you that email. Or they're going to, if they do it, they'll take the report and unsubscribe and never come back, right? Uh, so mm -hmm. you either need to be clear upfront of what's required or, uh, you know, make it valuable for them in some form so they don't feel like they're being tricked. So one of the things that you specialize in is WordPress. And mm -hmm. I've got to say, a few years ago, like maybe 10 uh, <laughs> to five years ago, WordPress was more of a buzzword, okay? It was a very much a buzzword as far as 
yeah, this is where you want to be, customize, templates, blah, blah, blah. You can do anything. Okay. Since then, I'd say in the last five years, I mean, you have alternatives from, you know, like even Shopify to Magento to all that different stuff. So why are you in love with WordPress so much? Like, how does that compare? And what about all the special things that you could do with WordPress that maybe you can't do with Shopify? It's a good question. I mean, WordPress has been around for a long time, I mean, longer than 10 yeah. years, and it's come a long way <clears throat> since it started. They've been adding a lot of features, made it more robust and everything. But what I love about it is that it's open source and fully customizable. So mm -hmm. anything you want to do with it, you can. You know, you can run your own copy, change it however you like. You can, it's extensible, so you can bring in plugins. There's a lot of premium plugins that let you do things that are, yep. you know, legitimate developers maintaining them. There's also free ones. If you're starting up, you can dabble with and try out. But at the end of the day, you could make your own plugin if you wanted. If you couldn't find one that does what you want, uh, you can customize your theme, layout, any part of it. Um, so that's what I like about it is you have total control as opposed to being on someone else's platform like Shopify. Uh, there are some things that you straight up can't do. Um, right. You know, I've managed a Shopify store in the past and there are some customizations that we wanted uh, for the client checkout process and whatnot. You just, you can't do it because they don't support it or don't allow you to do it. So that, that's what I like about it is it's totally flexible and you can use it for everything from a basic blog to mm -hmm. an enterprise site. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, totally. It, it's a very flexible platform. I will give it that. And, you know, I think something else that our listeners probably will find, we have a lot of working professionals or service-based companies that uh, listen and watch a show. You can tell because a lot of the people on the show are actually listeners of the show and you know it, it really gets it into that professional service type business i mean why is it important for them to have a website even if they're not doing most of their business online you know like they're not doing a shopify store for example right so they wouldn't have an e-commerce setup with no shopping cart or anything it's just all information and maybe a form right. you know for people to contact them uh, there's three main reasons. Uh, one would be that professional online presence that you need to represent your business online. It's kind of like your online billboard for your company, right? Mm -hmm. To show that you know what you're doing, you're here to stay. Uh, here's why I'm better than these other guys or why you should hire me, right? So there's that piece. Then uh, kind of along that line is the branding side. Oh, I got a good story for you then. I think you'll love it. I, I'll let you finish, but then I'm going to tell you a story about the, my father's construction company and what I did for him. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing it. So branding yeah. wise, uh, your website acts as the hub for all of your marketing efforts. So whether you're handing out a business card or talking to somebody on the phone, you're giving them that website at the end of the conversation, right? It's on any flyers that you print and hand out or post on a bulletin board somewhere. Everything goes back to your website. So this becomes a, a hub uh, for all these branding and marketing efforts. It kind of ties it all together. Um, and that can really, if you, if you use that effectively, you can leverage that to uh, help grow your business. Um, right. And again, it adds to that perception of professionalism that I know what I'm doing. I'm here to stay. Uh, an example of that kind of going all in on the branding with your website. Mm -hmm. um, instead of having Jim's uh, landscaping at gmail.com, you can have Jim at jimslandscaping.com, right? And mm -hmm. having your own name, domain, and email attached to it, it, it just um, ups your level of professionalism. I probably would, would just put me at davidstrasser.com up to you <laughs> no <laughs> i'm kidding i actually have david at davidstrasser.com but so no that's great that's good info jeffro uh, so my story and i actually we had somebody from the home improvement industry that decided i delved into this with him and he was like like during the interview he's like Oh, like that's actually a really good idea. <laughs> you know, why haven't we thought of this? Uh, so back in 2004, uh, I helped my father out for three years. It was right around when my oldest son, uh, Pancho, who is also the producer of the show, 
uh, was born. So I left Mexico, was up in Pennsylvania for a little bit. And I started uh, begrudgingly working for my father because up there, it's small, cold country, uh, Pennsylvania, it gave me the best opportunity to kind of control my income to what I was used to earning up in San Diego. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I'm like, okay, well, I'm taking over your marketing because his marketing was non-existent. You didn't even have uh -huh. a website. Okay, so we got StrausserCont.com for contracting, but that was, um, you know, that was basically just redirected to our main site, which was uh, PARoofer.com. And that's really the one that we ended up uh, promoting out to everybody because we only work in Pennsylvania. So PARoofer.com, very easy to remember. And then to focus on, and that was for roofing. And then for siding, we had gotsiding.com. So, you know, that's back in the heyday when Got Milk was really famous. So we got gotsiding.com. And we had two separate sites. One was focused on uh, roofing, one was focused on siding. And we, we specialized. The other thing I did from the sales side was like, hey, you need a sales system. We need something that is repeatable. So we got him in with Owens Corning and he became an Owens Corning preferred contractor, which allowed us to use the Pink Panther all over the place. It was pretty cool. And I actually had a click-through guide that I did with images like, hey, this is what you should expect if you get an Owens Corning roof. And this is why you want us to do it. And it was step by step as far as, hey, mm -hmm. tear off the roof. Now we get to see your wood, okay? This wood needs to be the replaced, but the rest of it's good. So yeah, that's an extra cost in this scenario to replace this one piece of plywood. And then you went through the whole system like that. Back then, in, and we were also doing uh, pay-per-click ads for roofing and stuff like that. Hey, uh, fighting against companies like, um, you know, Service Magic. I mean, seriously, the website for itself, the biggest sale I ever got working for my father for that short period of time was $25,000 for one roof. And it came from the website. I mean, we were getting, we weren't getting like a million. Cause you gotta remember people back then, they weren't searching for things like contractors online as much yet. You know, it was still kind of mm -hmm. new, especially in an area like that. So we were definitely ahead of the curve, but it was good enough to where it was able to produce one to three leads a month and give us that constant flow of work yes. that we needed and turned it into instead of my father just having some guys working with him, you know, doing a crew to where he was able to turn into an actual business owner. We had four men and then we had three different crews actually doing roofs and yes. it's all because of paroofer.com and gotsiding.com what do you yeah, think of that i think that's great and that actually ties into my third item for a reason why you need a business uh, yeah. a website to thrive which is prospects you get there's a whole new world of prospects when you're online so whether oh, yeah. that's running ads or doing search engine optimization or content marketing which is kind of like what you were doing uh with that right. image guide of how you know what's going to happen with this roof you're building authority and then over time people link to that has because that hey this is a good explainer or these guys know what they're doing and that just builds over time so the yeah. site's just going to live you know growing percolating to the top of the rankings if you're you know giving it a little bit of love here and there and uh, it serves you well in that sense uh, but it, yeah. you can leverage it in so many ways uh, you, uh, one of the things you said made me think of uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK um, yeah. If you ever look up their story and see how you know, Cameron Harold came in and kind of turned them around and made them a household name almost like it's because yeah. th of that, you know, they get this vanity URL and mm -hmm. build some marketing campaigns around it. And suddenly you're in everybody, you're top of mind, right? Right. Um, so there's a lot you can do with having that website. It's easy. Anyone can access it. And it's so flexible. See, told you you were going to love my story. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, we got time for one final 
question. Okay, we've covered so much during this interview. It's been pretty, pretty awesome. Um, this is going to be a softball question. This is going to be an easy one. Uh, but just give us high level, you know, how can a bad website really just cost you customers miss opportunities, you know, just simply from not making the right optimizations or having the right landing pages and stuff like that? It's because, I mean, there's a lot of factors, obviously. So the annoyance factor is pretty high, especially these days. Mm -hmm. um, attention spans are low. And oh, yeah. if, if you don't hook somebody right away, they're gone. I know if I'm mm -hmm. looking into a new topic, I'll do a search and then I'll open up like maybe three or four of them in a new tab. And then I'll go review them one by one. Yep. Sometimes one of those sites is just spinning, doesn't load. I close right. it and I never go back. So if exactly. your site doesn't load right away, or if it doesn't provide the information that I need when I'm searching for it, uh, maybe you're talking more about yourself uh, than what benefit you can provide to me as the customer. That's a huge mm -hmm. missed opportunity. Um, so things that, like that. That, that I just want to touch real quick before you continue. Uh, we just had Joseph Wilkins on the show. I believe it was from uh, uh, Funny Videos, Funny Sales Videos .com, I believe it was the name okay. of his company. But just to reiterate what you just said, three to five seconds, okay, on a video is the time span that you have even with it being muted, okay, because chances mm -hmm. are, especially if you're on Facebook, it's going to be muted or your volume is going to be done. Three to five seconds is all that you have to grab someone's attention before it's lost. Yeah, and that's why you'll, if you pay attention to some of the videos in your feeds that show up, a lot of them now start with some random, uh, you know, sequence and then cut into their main video. And you'll see like yeah. some reindeer on top of a lawnmower or something. You're like, wait, what is that? And then they jump yeah. in and say, hey, we're blah, blah, blah. So that's what they're doing. They're trying to hook you. Um, but you really have to do the same thing with your website, not necessarily with a gimmick, but with just a headline or an image, something that speaks to your target customer that's going to let them know you're in the right place. And this is how we can help you. Ah, that's awesome. So, hey, thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. Yeah, it's been I a lot of fun. You. Thank you. I've got to ask you one, one final question, Jeff Rowe. Okay. okay. How can people digitally stalk you <laughs> online? Uh, go to www.frobroweb.com. That's F-R-O, like the hairstyle, uh, B-R-O-W-E-B, frobroweb.com. Yeah, just for everybody listening out there on audio, because, uh, you know, not everybody watches on YouTube. But uh, he does have, you know, like the fro going on. So Jeffro <laughs> is very accurate description. Hey, Jeffro, this has been amazing. This was fun. This was informative. I hope you enjoyed it, man. Thank I you do. so Thank much you. for coming on. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on some point next year. Yeah, sounds great. I look forward to it. Thanks again for having me. Okay. Baby. Oh, no problem. Such a fun chat with Jeffro, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, please make sure you share this out to your network, friends, colleagues, uh, co-workers, family, anybody you can. We are growing this show at a rapid pace, and it's because people like you Keep sharing us out on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or wherever you dwell on the interwebs. Just keep doing it. You're helping us. We love it. Growth is amazing. And we're helping a lot of people get a lot of answers to be able to grow their business, to be able to grow personally, and to find some professional growth. Now, let's get back to our fro bro rock star, Jeff Rowe, okay? What you think of him? I really love the convo, and he is one of those up-and-coming rock stars in design and business. You know, I've, I've said this a couple times, a couple different guests, but you look maybe 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road. He's one of those people that I'm sure he's just really starting to scratch the surface of his career. And he's a, a brilliant, brilliant person in terms of design, strategy, workflow, all those things. So it's going to be really fun as now that I've got this relationship, um, friendship, I don't know, Jeff Rowe, are we friends? 
Uh, I'll say friendship. Jeffro, just say we're friends. Okay, so I got this friendship with Jeffro there. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see how he's going to grow with his career as time goes on. And it comes down to we've discussed on this show what we've discussed a million different times. Okay? You get what you pay for. That is a fact. I mean, yes, there are crazy people that are like, hey, I'm going to be the most expensive. There's other people I'm going to be the most cheapest. Okay. Other people are in the middle. Yeah. Sometimes price isn't everything. They're the most expensive is not often the most, you know, the best quality. Sometimes. Like, especially my world in ERP with small businesses and stuff like that, the most expensive could be not because it's got so much capability, but because of the fact that it's so much more complicated to configure. So you have to kind of balance that all out. And as I say in the software world, really, you got two ingredients to a successful launch of your your project, whether it's ERP or a website, Okay. Software, you got to pick the right solution. The backend solution needs to be correct. And then the second part of that is making sure you have the right partner. Okay. In my world, that's called the VAR, value added resellers. And then we work for companies like SAP, for example, where we're a VAR, it's a network, and you buy off us, you don't buy directly through SAP. That's our go to market strategy. But other businesses could do it different. So you have to find your partner in terms of websites. It would be somebody like Jeff's company, Jeff Rowe's company. Uh, but you would find that partner. And that partner is somebody who should lead you to success as well, too. You can have the right solution. But if you have the wrong partner, failed project. Okay, you can have the right partner. But if you have the wrong solution, failed project, you need to check mark both of those uh, boxes. And that's where talking with what we talked about, Jeffro, really makes sense. I mean, going with a free or low cost website, yeah. Maybe if you're a local notary public doing service in a limited area and $20 transaction just for a couple side bucks, a cheap website you built yourself is probably going to be the smartest choice for you. What if you're a $500,000 a year business or higher, though? I mean, really? That's where you really need a website that is representative of your business. The thing about the internet is, this is the beauty of the web, is that things aren't always what they seem, you know? Your business is going to be your digital calling card. Um, you know, it is your business card on the web. So let's just say you do have a $400,000 a year business that you just started two years ago and is starting to grow. And make it look like a $40 million a year business with the right website design workflows. Now, this stuff doesn't come cheap, but that doesn't mean that you have to spend an arm and leg to do it as well. You also have to look at your process flows, okay? How hard are you making it for your customers to do business with you? That is something you really have to ask yourself. Are you making it easy? Maybe you do have to have uh, easier process flows for them to be able to buy your products. How many clicks do they have to do? You know, how long does it take? I mean, ultimately, maybe your low cost and cheap website could just be loading slow. Okay. Maybe that's a big issue right there because. Stackings means dollars, literally, in the world of e-commerce. Uh, there are plenty of studies out there that kind of back that up. The longer it takes for something to load, the greater of the risk that you're going to have an abandoned checkout, that the transaction is not going to be completed or you're going to get a canceled order. So what I really got out of my conversation here with Jeffro is that when it comes to website, people will judge a book by its cover, unfortunately, just the way things are. And you may be the most legit business, but if your website isn't professionally done, it's going to make you look pretty sketchy. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, you know, if you went to Microsoft.com and it was, you know, just like it was built in the 1980s. Um, you'd probably be like, hey, aren't they a bleeding edge tech company? Why is their site like this? You know, you, you'd have a lot of questions about the business that you 
would want to do business with. Biggest thing I want to kind of circle back on though is remember costs. Professionally done websites can cost from a few hundred of bucks, you know, to a few thousand, to even hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, it just really depends on your business and what you're trying to achieve, the scale and complexity of what you're doing. For most though, small businesses, you can get an amazing website for a much cheaper price than you think. But remember, just don't go too cheap. You've got to make sure that you're getting that right partner and that right solution stack that's going to build out something that accomplishes your goals. And, you know, your goal is going to vary business to business. It could be sales. It could be phone calls. It could just be an informational website. It could be a lot of different things. So whatever it is, just make sure that you have all those check marks you know, to, that everything lines up to get the perfect fit with both the solution and the person executing that. And I'll tell you what, for my conversation today, I think Jeffro and the Frobro web, I think right there, they're a great place to start out and have that initial conversation with. So question of the day. How often do you refresh your website? How often do you rebuild it and make it look more modern and tweak the design? Love to hear your frequency. Leave a comment down below. Uh, and remember, if you want to be on the show, shoot an email, interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Please don't forget to join the channel. $3 a month, you could become a baby shark or head on over to deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK, you'll save 20% off of your order and all proceeds directly support this channel. I'm David Strausser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. Oh.